this episode. Today I'm going to be speaking with Mira Chudasama, who teaches in Milton Keynes. Now Mira is passionate about educational research and she's particularly interested in making educational research accessible and digestible for those who work in schools. So keep on listening to find out how students from any year group can become researchers, the impact this can have, and how you could implement this in your own classroom. Hi, Mira. Hello and welcome to The Full English. It's great that you could join me for this episode. I'm really looking forward to hearing all about your experiences with educational research and the impact this has had on teachers and learners and other things we might talk about in this episode. But before we start, um, can I just ask you to share a school memory with the listeners? And it can be anything you like. So I had a little think about this last night and I think my most winning memory at school was during A-levels and I was studying for my my final geography exams and I remember doing this mock paper and there was a couple of students in my year who would always get their A's and so I was really gunning for an A and I was always getting that C and that CB borderline and that final paper I managed to get an A star and I remember the joyous feeling of that competitive nature in me that I'd beaten (laughs) student in our class at that time and I was over the moon and it kind of that gave me the that kind of the encouragement that I think I need at that point to kind of carry on and really apply myself and I think that was my like you know, that light bulb moment of like, mm. yeah, do this that was my light bulb moment so I have to say a a level geography that final exam was kind of my winning ticket really oh that's a really nice story and but it just shows you doesn't it the impact you know, when you achieve something like that and you attain that sort of a grade that you didn't perhaps think you were going to be able to, the impact it can have on you as you still remember it today and that feeling. Absolutely, absolutely. The hard work paid off. (laughs) Exactly. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. So Mira, what I was going to just ask you is about your teaching experience, really, in terms of, I know you work at a school in Milton Keynes, so I was just wondering if you could just give me a bit of background as to, you know, how you got into teaching or what it was that made you, because you just mentioned geography there. I know you're actually not a geography teacher. So I just wonder if you could just share your sort of journey with us, if you like. Absolutely. So um, after my first year in my first degree at Nottingham Trent University, I was doing a media degree and I wasn't very sure as to which path I was going to go in regards to my career. And a small ad from the British Council in Thailand had popped up and I thought, I'll give it as I'll give it a shot. I'll just apply and see what happens. And when I received the confirmation that I had received the job out in Thailand for a couple of months, I was actually in Madeira. So having to get a computer to make sure that I could actually get the all the all the right documentation was quite funny at that time. But I managed to secure a two month job with British Council in Thailand and worked in a small kind of secondary school. There. Amazing. And being there, I was 19 years old and the class I'd been given was from 16 to 18 years old. Oh, so wow. Mm much difference between myself and students but the experience within itself I think really made me see the power of well education in that Mm. context and kind of how much that role of a teacher has the influence of where students can potentially take their own lives and careers so that was really the, the the love of teaching and that was born really there and so then I decided after I finished my media degree I was going to apply for a teacher training job to become an English teacher with the hopes to travel and teach English and then I 
applied at the Institute of Education. I got in, did my PGC there and then later completed my master's in teaching. So yeah, and that gives that I finished that maybe a few years ago, my master's in teaching. So and I carried on that kind of research element because I loved it so much. And I've been carrying that through um, throughout my teaching career with the likes of Innovate Journal and also now seeing students more as researchers and their role in research as opposed to just being researched onto. And there's that kind of there's a real dialogue about that within the world of research, kind of where we place children in educational research. That's kind of my area of fascination at the moment. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's really interesting. Oh, but that was great experience as well in Thailand. What caught my interest about yourself was and made me think, wow, I'd love to hear more about this. It's the whole research aspect of it um, that I was sort of led me towards you, if you want, because I know when I was teaching myself and I only finished teaching like four years ago. But when I was teaching, you know, we were encouraged to do TLD. W, you know, teacher-led development work. Yeah. And I was based in Hertfordshire, so there was the Hearts Cam network. And I did, um, you know, my project was on a GCSE group to do with gender, etc. But, you know, I just found it really, you could learn a lot from that. And it was very, very interesting and enjoyable. And obviously, you know, we'd have uh, focus groups, we'd do research with the students, etc, etc, surveys to sort of, you know, all that sort of thing. But what I found really interesting was about how passionate you are about educational research and making it accessible for all those who are in the school. And I know you've said that you hope to marry the world of academic research to classroom based research, which I find really, really intriguing. So what was it that started, you know, off you off with you thinking about that concept and how then did that develop to where it is now? So I came back to the school that I currently teach in to do some prior experience. I think kind of everybody has to do a bit of experience before you go on to your PGC course. Mm-hmm. Back to my secondary school. And when I worked there, they had already an Innovate Journal, which was an internal document that they shared. And it's kind of like a Word document that they shared with the kind of current research that was being conducted within the school. And I kind of, I've always had a passion for graphic design. So I tried to... Yeah a bit more accessible, a bit more inviting, as opposed to kind of what journals seem to look like, which is that kind of formulate title, date, document, and kind of the, you know, the kind of clear categories. Um, When I then got the job back again at that school, which I now work in and I was a student of, I took the post of research lead Mm -hmm. and my passions was to really take the idea of a journal but take it further and make it almost feel very accessible in the sense of the way it looked they were very colorful there was no images so we were never breaching kind of any safeguarding boundaries it's always very abstract in its look but just really lovely and fun um so that it was quick for teachers to read we'd deliver we had three editions in the year and those three were the kind of initially it was the introductions and the kind of opening kind of methodologies mm-hmm. then the nitty-gritty parts of kind of what are you actually researching and the second edi- issue and the third one was kind of findings and conclusion so the whole academic year was about the journey of a researcher oh um, interesting yeah mm. that broken down the journal initially um, and then I developed that even further when I looked at actually internationally not everybody could be joining for a whole year as a writer that wasn't always possible teachers were becoming more and more time poor it Mm -hmm. wasn't possible for teachers to commit a whole year and so then I used to have um in its last year of circulation which I've taken a little bit of a pause and I'll talk about that in just a moment Mm -hmm. we had themes that we had across the edition so very kind of generic as you would in the magazine industry 
and that edition got up to 10 to 20,000 in circulation for readership wow. and across from Australia all the way to America we were, we were spanning across the world at that point that's fantastic um, yeah what an achievement really really well and I think what was really nice was that there was a call for teachers to do research but very on a small scale and I think very innately teachers do research every single day but it's mm. so ingrained as a part of our practice we sometimes can't almost the meta research to kind of look at yourself and say actually I have done this I've identified a problem within my classroom I've maybe focused on a case study student I've tried x y and z in my room and then here are the results and that is the process of being a teacher um but we don't see that in the world of research so much so I think that was my that's the thing where I'm marrying up academic research and classroom-based research because of course, as you say, when you're um, when you're teaching, you're constantly reflecting, reviewing it, and thinking what you do next time. So yeah, it is all research. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a good point. And it's that consistent, reflective, informed-based research, and I think there's reflexive research as well. So I think that there is definitely something to be had there. But unfortunately, in the current climate that we are in, mm. just don't get that time to be so reflective. Yeah. And that level of reflection is very short reflection that we have and the wonderful kind of staff room talks and in the work rooms and the quick cup of coffee and the biscuit talks and they're the mm -hmm. bits we really enjoy but we don't really get the time to to relish in anymore yeah and that is such a shame isn't it but that's a that's another story but it is a shame that that is a situation isn't it now so in terms of where that then led you to the, you know, you talk about classroom-based re research, yeah. but where does it sort of um, come in with the students and the concept of students being researchers? How did it sort of develop to that point? Um, so I was in, in when I was trying to get more collaborators for Innovate Journal, I was seeking local universities and um, a university that's on our doorstep is Open University and what a member of... Um, of the Children's Research Centre had come forth to, to collaborate, which I was really excited for, mm. at a year seven class and thinking about speaking and listening skills. And for me, my, my passion is dialogic teaching and learning and looking at classroom talk and how important classroom talk is for children's learning. Um, and likewise, this was Cindy who worked with me on the paper that we published this year. She was also passionate about that. So we started to have a look at children in that in that particular class who were interested in researching with us. Letters were sent out to parents, parents were made aware, all the correct forms were filled in, safeguarding, yeah. all of those boxes were ticked. And throughout that, we had four um, students who were willing to take on the role to present their findings and research alongside with us and to take images or pictures of their work, kind of almost a case study kind of logbook so what was really nice about that journey was that we were seeing students feeling truly empowered when they were on the journey with us to research and talking to them about things like methodology or discussing how we were going to write up certain parts of the paper and we were gaining their feedback. That was incredibly powerful because we were now allowing them to have agency in what we were publishing. And there's a real emphasis for me on where we place students in the world of research and not just researching on them but to include them in that dialogue um, and that can be done at primary level as well and there, there is evidence to say that it can be done at primary level as well so when I look at classroom-based research I think there's things that we can tweak within our practices as researchers to ensure that children feel that they are part of that journey 
and that they're not just being spied upon. I think they need to be very much included in that dialogue and in, also include parents in that conversation. And that kind of really helps you to build a stronger classroom community where they can see you consciously trying to make an effort in in moving their learning forward. Not to say that we don't do that already, but it's it really places that emphasis there on their learning. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, when you say there was a year seven class, was it, um, you know, mixed ability in that class or what sort of scenario was it? And then how did it work in terms of you had to obviously explain to them? And if, I'm just thinking if anyone listening would like to sort of take this themselves and try it, it's kind of like, how do you ensure that they're, you know, their boundaries you have to set up and sort of that kind of thing? How does it work? So initially we were looking, so the, the paper was focused around a, a particular software called Talk Factory, which anybody can go and have a look at. And it was looking at that use in regards to structuring talk and how right. to use that. So number one, that in itself was collaborative. We were asking students to take part in testing something that was new and it was mm. not. That again was a lovely little buy-in. Um, mm. But also we were very open to the fact that if it doesn't work, it, it could be flawed, right? So we have to be mm. very open and I think that's number one rule is have complete transparency so don't there is nothing to be hidden number two you make sure that parents are completely aware before you approach this subject and number three you set out some ground rules in which students are included in in making those ground rules um, so that we're all aware of what's going on and following from that once you have an agreement you get a spreadsheet up you make sure you know exactly which students who want to be taking part how are you going to record your data? Are you going to be taking videos? Are you taking photographs? Making sure that that consent is being given. Again, add that to your spreadsheet. Then you redo the seating plan. If there are students who don't want to take part, does it mean that you push them out? Mm-hmm. Place them in certain areas so they don't, it doesn't hinder your data collection, but it also makes them feel included in your in the gathering of that data, um, but doesn't hinder their learning. And I think that has to be at the heart of it. Mm, that they that's have- important. I can see that, yeah. They're not here. We are all here to learn. And the goal is exactly the same as before. However, we're looking at a different mode of getting there. So I think that's really important to make that transparent, even to those at home, to parents and guardians, that we are not looking to change what they are learning. Yeah. get from the curriculum, but we are here to help them to see other ways of learning, to allow them to maybe attain a higher, higher grade, to ensure that they feel they're a part of that journey. So once kind of the admin side of things are done, every lesson I was at the front and we were testing this piece of software out. And then slowly we were looking at students coming up to the front, testing it out and using the software. And I was going towards the back. My researcher was working with me from the Open University would be there to record data and sometimes take parts of the lesson. Then it's very you're moving around the room a lot. And that in itself is showing that you are not the person offering up that information or departing that knowledge. We're in this together. Mm. So again, your body language and how you use that room is really important. And later on, we even felt we kind of branched out even further, looking at group work, seeing how you can you can group certain students together that you are definitely going to be getting that data from. You can leave recorders on the desk if that's something that's possible for you, and you can record that data. So that's that could be done within a lesson. So if you're looking at a very small scale research group-based activities with a small recorder that you know that you've got five or six students who are the ones that you're tracking and that can be really easily done then you could go and transcribe it pick up the information and then use that within a a research a report etc that you were doing so then you can go back and be a bit more reflective on your practices 
if you are into iris and you're using the iris camera you could film the lessons that way so I know certain schools have that as well within mm. those buildings so there's lots of different avenues that you have as to how big or small you want to take your research um but I would strongly recommend that you collaborate with somebody so you don't feel like you're on your own oh yeah I can see what you mean yeah and be- so <clears throat> sorry go on it can be quite isolating when you're doing research yeah really important to have that level of collaboration if that's whether that you are trying that with somebody else within your department and if you have a free together you can come together to observe each other at some point and that can be something that you could do together as like a paired activity yes and the and the the topic that you discussed that was the topic or the focus of the research that you did there I'm thinking could this then be transferred I mean have you ever tried it yourself in other areas of the curriculum I'm thinking about English actually that's what I was just thinking about um in terms of can it be done you know in a different way but for different subjects etc etc oh absolutely I think it can be done in any any given context I've seen all sorts in regards to I've read um articles on flipped learning and where teachers have conducted um tried to use flipped learning within their context and it hasn't worked I've seen science lessons and kind of looking at different memory recall strategies and looking at different techniques in regards to how we could retain, uh, well, looking at memory retention. Um, So lots of different avenues that you can take that can be applicable to all areas of your teaching practice and for different subject areas. And if you're looking at kind of English in the sense of written skills and your reading, there's lots to be said there. Um, and looking at different strategies where you can bring students along with the journey. You get them to have different reading logs, different ways of recording their reading, as well as how to do the traditional writing. It could be, you know, the world has definitely changed where technology should be really integrated. Mm. You encourage students to be more autonomous and more have that agency, really. So I think it's just about looking at different methods that can help you in becoming more collaborative. Um, as much as it is about the topic or the subject area. Yeah, and I like that idea of reading because obviously that is a, it's one of those topics, isn't it, that is always there, you know, where it's trying to encourage students to read. And obviously, you know, you get some people who love reading and they can't get enough of it. You get some people who enjoy reading, but then you get people who just don't want to read or why are we reading? I don't want to read this, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting how you could frame something around that sort of aspect of it. Absolutely. And I think it's looking at those broader ideas of things like memory retention, cognitive load theory, dialogic teaching and learning, those those kind of key pedagogic practices that we have across different subject areas, across primary and secondary that we all do as teachers, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of what we are mm. doing. I think they're the things that we should really focus on. The skills are, are a part of it and they feed into that. But the things that we do as teachers that's the thing that really can ground your research and that could be a really good starting point um in looking at how we are developing teaching and learning for, coming forward mm, interesting yeah it's and it, like you said said earlier it is very powerful isn't it so in terms yeah. of sorry to interrupt you in terms of the year seven group that you just talked about what was the outcomes of all that then what yeah were the outcomes well, mm-hmm. the, they enjoyed using the Talk Factory application and they liked the fact that we could edit um, the rules so that the point system was editable and that was really nice. They wanted to have more, so there's only three for positive and three for negative. Mm-hmm. So and that was that they would that we couldn't really get more kind of buttons, so to speak. So that was something that we could develop that software further. Um, 
And I think it was more about how we integrate that further within the curriculum. So to use it more regularly, not just in a one-off unit. Yeah. Because we were looking, the unit was called Voices of Our Generation and we were looking at non-fiction texts. So it fit really well within that non-fiction um, writing unit for English. Um, but thinking about how we could use that more consistently, maybe it's a discussion around a book that we have read or a topic or a chapter or a character or looking at potentially kind of debates and looking at arguments and how we structure arguments, which would be really, really good. Mm, um, that'd be really effective, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But the other kind of, things that we gained from this that students really liked the fact that they were able to come up and present their ideas and present their findings and how they were able to use group work or how on a lesson that we went around the school to assess which areas of the school were great for learning which were not and I think oh. that was using different practices to to gain ideas into ways in which students learn I think is really important that was our particular focus um, and the research paper is titled we make our words powerful so again, the title of our research paper is always allowing students' voice to be at the heart of it. And so I think really considering students at every part of the process is really, really at the core of what I'm what I'm passionate about. Yeah, and I bet they really engage with it all as well. And yeah. did you get any feedback as to how they felt about the whole experience themselves and what you know what they took away from it in that respect? Yeah, there were some students who really enjoyed taking that kind of the limelight in regards to presenting oh, yeah. some students who actually thought yeah I'm happy to have the things I say be recorded but they didn't want to be you know front and center which absolutely yeah. fine and some students who just didn't want to participate at all and, and that was absolutely fine as well and we as a group felt that it was far more positive because they were learning something new and I think once they got into it the students who maybe didn't have a buy-in before felt a bit more comfortable later on in the process so I think sometimes it has to be research has to be regularly done for that conversation to feel more comfortable it, I think at the very beginning of it in, in its infancy infancy sorry mm. it's all very alien um, that's it isn't it it's, it's so so that it becomes part of and they feel comfortable doing it and they yeah. understand you know it's like when you introduce a new thing in teaching some sort of new I don't know um, marking feedback or something that is autonomous and it's that kind of thing about building it in and then it becomes second nature sort of thing doesn't it and you feel comfortable with it and I think you're right there Pam so like for example if you take if you're looking at a feedback sheet we would as teachers explain that feedback sheet likewise if you're giving them a consent form I think it's really important to go through every single part of that consent mm. form through what are ethics in research why do we have ethics what are the role of ethics that we you know what function does it play all of that is a really important really important dialogue that far surpasses sometimes the curriculum because that that they can take on to when they go further afield when they are actually they are very very well a, well aware of what that is because a lot of them would be signing up on different applications of technology and they're signing away their you know their rights there for the GDPR so there's lots of kind of links to be made that they could take further afield that I think are really valuable within research. Of course yeah I didn't think about that actually how you know as an adult you do it without thinking about it but now obviously because my children are oldest in their 20s so it wasn't the same for my children in terms of data is all around you and you're it's yeah. all integral and part of you and it's just like you say that simple thing where you actually say oh yeah you accept cookies or you're happy for this or whatever it is um you know when you're on the internet or whatever it is you're doing apps or whatever and it's it's just 
it all kind of fits together. And I think it links back to that thing, what you said about being totally transparent, because that's what people want to know what they're what it's all about, don't they? And I think it's very scary if I was a parent or a guardian, now being a yeah. parent myself, if a form was to come home and I wasn't able to read it correctly or there was terminology in that particular consent form that I did not understand. And considering we have an incredibly diverse population, not every parent or guardian may be speaking fluent English. Of course, yeah. Breaking that down so that when children are reporting that back home, they are fully equipped and aware and consciously aware of what they're talking about when they're mm. talking parents and guardians and I think we are here to empower students so they are fully equipped for the world and if they can be critical in the world that they are living in then that is far better coming out of the process than anything that we could have imagined sure I mean that for me is like the ultimate goal that they can be critically aware and be able to read the text around them so they can make judgments for themselves and make informed judgments so they are they're in a, in a, in a better position yeah, no, it's really interesting, isn't it? And it's kind of, as you say, it's about moving with the times as well, isn't it? And yeah. these days it is, whether we like it or not, some people, you know, don't think it's a good thing, but it, to me, that's the future and you've got to embrace it. I mean, like we're even looking into now, you know, we're going to be doing assessments on screen in the future and that's how it should be because you have to move with the times, don't you? No, absolutely. And I think sometimes we fear educational technology and the way where it's going but I think the lo lockdown itself has shown us there are so Good many points yeah so many more opportunities I think there is something about screen fatigue that we have to address mm -hmm. as we learn everything on screen um but I think there has to be that healthy balance of moving forward yeah that's true and times are definitely you know things especially like you say since the lockdown and the pandemic and everything we've kind of like well, we all know this, I mean, the digital shift has gone, suddenly yeah. moved, hasn't it? So it's kind of appropriate that we're talking about things like this now. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, in terms of what you could do? I mean, so you've done your, you've, you've done your paper. Did you say it's published this year? Yes, we published it this year. Absolutely. With Taylor and Francis, we're incredibly proud of it. And that was really looking at that year seven class. We very much focused on that and the four students who helped us record that data. So it's all kind of really nicely documented in that particular paper. Um, and it's really nice because they're at the heart of that and giving students their voice. And I think that's what's inspired me now looking at where Innovate Journal can really go now. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. What are you going to do next? Yeah. What's What are your plans now? Because Innovate Journal, um, I mean, have you because I know I had a look at that myself. I've seen it on the TES as well. And the way it's laid out and everything, as you said, it's really, really good. It's really um, dynamic. But I mean, what are your plans for the future things to do now, following on from your paper, which, as you say, is kind of like, right, we've got to, you know, it geez you up to do things, doesn't it? So taking on the role as EPQ lead, I think that's been a really nice step for me because it means that I get to see students really leading their own research. Oh, um, yeah really fantastic cohort this year and I think that's really spurred me on actually to kind of consider young researchers I had previously a young researchers club during lockdown but lockdown made it very difficult to get through content and actually conduct research because of we course yeah where kids could really get their teeth into the topics that they wanted to um so my I think my idea is to have students being really more at the heart of Innovate Journal and inviting teachers along to be side by side with students a bit more that's really my plan for the future of Innovate Journal to get it back onto circulation but it's really hard as a one-woman show to get it all done with amongst the other things that I do so I think I'm going to try oh, and do yeah. really um well thought out 
um, kind of test runs this year and then I'll take it further from there I think and that would be the best step forward but also looking at different platforms not just looking at the written form as the only way of disseminating information for Innovate Journal. Yeah, this is it. It's fascinating, isn't it, as well? And But the, the other aspect of it, as you touched on, is the time. Because I was going to say to you, how do you find time to do all this? But obviously, it's, you know, you've suddenly become re-inspired, as it were, now to try and move it forward a bit. But again, it's finding the time, isn't it? So yeah. that'll be interesting to see then for the future. Um, what year, Which year group were you talking about with your EPQ? But they are in year 13. So my year yeah. just delivered their presentations and they'll be all their own documentation's done now so we are on that final leg of the journey and then we'll be into recruiting so to speak um year 12 students for the next cohort yeah I mean I think I mentioned that to you before my own children did their well they're not they weren't children they were in year 12 I think or maybe it was 13 they did EPQs and they really enjoyed it so um yeah there's so much you can get out of it isn't it when you've come up with a topic you can just run with it and it's good because it's tailored to you the individual I mean you know no and I think I did my I did an EPQ and I loved it as well and I remember just that feeling of having something together and this the the effort that takes to get that done and it's quite an arduous journey I think in itself there's just lots to be done there and I think for this year, I'll definitely be working more with the Open University where, they're, where we're looking at building more toolkits for teachers in embedding more research within our practices for young people, but also looking at resources already made from the Open University that works alongside the EPQ. Mm. So again, just strengthening those collaborations can make your life a lot easier and it can make it more possible to take on extra things that you actually really enjoy within the profession um, so I think that's definitely something that I would recommend if you want to do these things get talking to other people um, and it doesn't mean you have to do it on your own it hasn't got to be all on your own I think they've the more we talk um, and the more we collaborate it makes life a lot easier um, and I think as well I, I my other benefit is being an English teacher trainer for Tommy Flowers skit as well as an ECT mm. so I get to see lots of um young people and new people to the profession yeah and that keeps me going as well because through their assignments and their own new findings and research it means I get to see kind of research in its infancy of the teaching journey to young people in in our classroom so I guess I'm looking at it in all different aspects and I get to pull it pull it all together that's brilliant isn't it you know I was just thinking about the skits and and my own you know teaching practice where we sort of like I said to you we used to do I mean, it's quite a big ask, I suppose, but we used to do it across across the schools in the Hearts Cam uh, program that we did. Mm. And, you know, you'd meet up at a twilight. You're talking about collaboration. That's why I mentioned this. And so I remember doing a workshop once on something to do with my own research. And it was kind of like a carousel. You, you'd you go to a different school every half term and or every term and the school you were in, I think it was half term, actually, anyway. And the school you were in, you know, you'd turn up there and you'd all sign in from all the other schools and there'd be different host schools. And what you do is you'd offer up if you were going to talk about your particular research project and you could, you know, it'd be a carousel. So people could come into your your presentation for 20 minutes and they go to a different one. And it went on for a couple of hours. But at the time, it was a bit of a hard slog getting there, you know, like, oh, I've just been teaching. This is the, you know, I don't know if I want to do this now. But when you're there, you kind of like you're out of your classroom bubble, if you want to call it that. And you are collaborating with other people. And it's very, very empowering, empowering, isn't it, really? That's the ultimate thing. It's that feeling, isn't it? I think the other thing is that with the teaching profession, where it is at the moment, I think it's very much necessary to get that energy level back up. That's true. Yeah. Um, 
feel like they are part of a team and then we are all in this together and I think those are kind of the the things that we are forgetting unfortunately where we're mm. currently but I think research has a has a great place within that conversation to to get those energy levels back up and for people to feel that they are more than capable of being in that role and they could you know all the things that they do love and the reasons why they came into teaching they can still do all those things <laughs> yeah and that's the thing you were saying about reaching out to other people to collaborate with you so you could do the kind of scenario I talked about or with you and your open university collaboration, they could contact a local university or something and see if they, you know, if they've got a teacher training section there or whatever it is and try and, you know, get people to come in and like you say, instead of being a one woman band, they could have some guests to come in, et cetera, et cetera. I think it is absolutely the case. And I think for me just having that feeling of, no, I don't want to do this on my own. I'm going to go and talk to others. It's led to some fantastic opportunities, mm. organisations. I mean, I've been able to work with Chartered College of Teaching, which is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic programmes as well, but also with Open University, like I mentioned before. And I think it's really helpful because it sometimes takes you out of your classroom a bit. And I think mm. we and ask students for that metacognition that meta learning but we also need a bit of meta teaching and I think that's important for us otherwise we somewhat will stagnate in the profession you know unfortunately like you mentioned that the world of Twitter I think we had a previous conversation about this the world of oh, Twitter yeah. Absolutely incredible. And edgy Twitter is, is a great place to be. So even if it's just to get yourself on Twitter, it can be all consuming. But I think it's a really good place to kind of get that conversation going. If you're just scared, take that first step. Twitter is definitely a place that you could find yourself. And I know that Instagram is also really good and you have TikTok teachers as well. So there's lots of different avenues that you could be connecting with others with. Actually, that's a really good point about Twitter and all the other avenues online. Yeah, I, have, I haven't thought of it like that because, you know, I go on Twitter a lot to look at educational things, teaching, etc. But when I was actually teaching myself, Twitter was not a space, even though it was four years ago. It wasn't that long ago, but Twitter mm. was not a space that I used to be sort of in much collaborating with other people. But now I think to myself, actually, it's so rich in everything that's on there. And as you say, there's some things you can take it you can choose what you want to get involved in or what you want to um, interact with can't you and you can choose not to or you can and it's just fascinating you learn a lot from it and you find out things and ideas that you might not have oh I didn't know about that for example or I might try that it's that kind of <clears throat> kind of aspect to it as well isn't it absolutely and people are so generous that they give give some mm. if you're struggling to plan or plan something there are so many resources that people give out for free and I think that's a time savvy way to be you know using using your own time but it means that you get to work with others share some great ideas and sometimes if you're in a, a school setting that is not as collaborative well there's definitely a space online where you could be yeah exactly that's the good thing about the virtual world isn't it I mean you've got team English on there as well so you know you've got all that on there so there's lots of different um, people you could start talking to at any time or if you've got a query you want to ask them something and as you said they're very generous and helpful that's the good thing isn't it absolutely that people are very generous on the, on edgy twitter so it's a great space to be in and, and likewise i think there's some great avenues where you can discover some fantastic ideas that save you time but also can be really you know a core part of your practice and they can mm. be things you up within your own research Definitely. Oh, that's really interesting. I'm so glad um, you joined us for this episode because I've really, 
I feel like it's a different aspect research that we might not really think about. Well, maybe that's just me, but in general, I think we might not really analyze it enough and think about, well, where can we bring this into our classroom practice or, you know, uh, just thinking about it from um, CPD even. So, yeah, that's really interesting. So, you now you've published or when you, has your paper actually come out now or is it coming out yep. this year? Yeah, it's, all out. it's ready, ready to be read. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, so please go and check it out. It's on Taylor and Francis, and it's it's titled "We Make Our Words Powerful." So you'll definitely get to see us there with Lucinda Carawala, myself, and David Messer. Brilliant. Okay, well, it's been lovely talking to you. Um, thanks so much for joining us for this episode, and I'm sure I'll pass across again. So I'll, you'll have to keep me informed with what you do next and anything else you know you think would be um, of interest to us. That's great. Really Absolutely. nice talking to you today, Mira. Really nice to speak to you today as well, Fab. Thank you very much for having me on the show.